0: Amen. I getting glad that you're here today. I want to encourage you every single week, being thinking about who you can invite to join you every week. We'd like to see our lunch grow. It is growing. We'd like to see more folks every week as we come on Thursdays to see what God has said it means and it looks like to be a man who follows Jesus Christ. So again, uh, the greatest thing you can do to help increase the efficiency of what we're doing on Thursdays is grab folks, meet folks, bring folks uh, every single Thursday to our men's lunch. Today we're going to talk about something that really Uh, Honestly, nobody wants to talk about. In fact, it is something that some folks uh, would say that doesn't even exist. But it is something that in these days, the days that we're existing in, uh, we better get a firm grasp on today as followers of Jesus Christ. And that is uh, the subject of suffering for following Jesus Christ. Again, uh, not a popular subject. Not many people are talking about that. Some folks are saying, well, that doesn't exist. And when you put your faith in Christ, we're not going to suffer. But I want to tell you, in these days, when when we take a stand for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to have a firm grasp on the subject of suffering for Jesus Christ. In our letter, we're going verse by verse uh, through 1 Peter, a letter written to Christians who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ in in the letter if you think about it and really in our, in our whole men's lunch uh, we have talked a lot about standing for the truth of God's word we've talked about standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ we've talked about standing up when everybody else is sitting down we've talked about going one direction when everybody else is going a different direction and really talking about taking a stand for the glory of God. And I want to tell you the greatest thing that could happen in my prayer coming out of this men's lunch is that there would be men, and I'm talking about young men and old men, whatever whatever, that there would be men that would say, you know what I'm going to stand up for the truth of God's word, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to point to my Savior Jesus, the greatest thing that could happen. Uh, that's my prayer, but listen and, be, and be, be sure of this, and this is really the, the message that we're going to see today. Standing brings suffering. That is the biblical truth. Standing for Jesus Christ brings suffering. Well, today Peter is going to address those who are suffering because they have been standing for Jesus Christ. Now, there's a chunk of verses here. I'm going to read all the verses, and then we'll come back and look at the verses individually. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 4 today, verses 12-12. Through sixteen. 1 Peter chapter 4, today verses 12 through 16. It starts off and it says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is to not be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Again, a whole section of verses. We're gonna go now and look at these verses individually. I'm going to go, and we're going to spend a lot of time in the detail of the 12th verse. The 12th verse says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Now, again, I just want to go through the words of this 12th verse. It starts off, and I think it's very profound, that it starts off and it says, Beloved, Beloved, it is a very simple term of affection. And let me, let me say this. These people who had received the letter, they had put their faith in Jesus Christ. They were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And how marvelous that is, how amazing that is. They'd put their faith in Jesus Christ, they are saved. However, they were not expecting to be hated, they were not expecting to be abandoned. They were not expecting to be persecuted to the extent that they're being persecuted. And and really the the reality of it is this. In the midst of hard suffering, the very real temptation is to quit. In the midst of, of hard suffering, the very real temptation is to escape the suffering, that's, that's just logical. If something's causing you pain, you want to get away from that thing that's causing you pain. If something is hurting you, the very real temptation is to leave the thing that is hurting you. Well, I want to tell you, when you're hated, sometimes the difference is to know that you're loved. And so he starts off, and he's going to talk about this, but he starts off, and to these folks who never thought they would be abandoned, who never thought they would be hated, he says, beloved. Beloved. You are loved. Then he says this. Do not be surprised. What it means, and it means what it says, but it just means this. Do not be caught off guard. Do not be shocked. Do not be surprised. He's saying do not be surprised by the fact that you're being persecuted, by the fact that you're being hated. Now, I pulled out some verses. This is, this is what the Bible says. John chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus is speaking he says this to his followers. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. That's what Jesus says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the apostle Paul says, now listen, we talk about the promises of God. Here's a promise. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, that's a big deal, to live godly in Christ Jesus, what does the Bible say? Will be Persecuted. Your heart's desires because you're saved, you put your faith in Christ to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you will be persecuted. 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, the apostle John says, And do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Listen to me, hear this today. We have to know the cost. We have to know what's coming as followers of Jesus Christ. And so, you know what? The the, the testimony of Scripture is this. Do not be surprised when you stand up and call sin, sin. Do not be surprised when you call a falsehood a falsehood. Do not be surprised when you stand for the truth. Do not be surprised when you push into darkness. Do not be surprised when you carry the name of Jesus that you will suffer. Do not be surprised. I'll just tell you this. It is a sad sad, dangerous thing that there are guys all over the place and they're filling up big places and they're selling a bunch of books telling you that when you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, your best life's about to be now. I'm telling you, you know what, every day is getting ready to be Friday. That's not the testimony of Scripture. The Bible says this, if you stand for our Savior, Jesus Christ, you will suffer. And listen to what It says, the fiery ordeal. Now, I think we need, to, we need to evaluate according to the fiery ordeal. This is not some small thing. This is not some token thing. This is not some little thing. Well, they, they may have said something about them while they were at work. It's no little deal. It is a fiery ordeal. Listen to that. It is a gut-wrenching deal. The suffering is real. Here's what it says about the fiery ordeal. It comes upon you For your testing, for your testing. Now, I want to stop right here and just talk about this for just a second. In the Bible, in Scripture, God has two uses for fire. And you go read the biblical account, Old Testament, New Testament, God has two uses for fire. Now, the first one is a consuming fire, which is God's fire of judgment. It is the judgment of a holy God, and he uses fire as judgment. We we were talking on a Sunday morning a couple weeks ago about fire raining down from heaven and consuming folks. There is a consuming fire of God's judgment. But there is also a refining fire, a fire that God uses to, to build and to equip his servants, his people that would take up his cost. Now, if you go in the book of Malachi, it talks about the refiner's fire. And the, and the testimony is the refiner's fire. He would, he would take gold and he would take silver and he would put it in the refiner's fire. And it would, it would burn off all the impurities. It would boil out all the impurities. And the gold and the silver that came out would be more pure and would be more valuable. Well, here's what Peter is saying. Our suffering is God's process of refining. And I'll tell you, it is in God's refining fire that the priority is set. You see, outside of the fire, you might have a whole bunch of priorities, but in the refiner's fire, there is one priority, and that is to honor God. It is in the refiner's fire that that resolve is built. You see, when you're out of the fire, you might go some other way. It might be wishy-washy, but in the refiner's fire, there has to be a resolve that is built. It is in the refiner's fire that trust is established. And you have to confirm, you know what? God has said it, and God is trustworthy, and God is faithful, and I don't like being in the fire, but there in the fire, trust is established. There in the refiner's fire, what is unnecessary is stripped away. We live in an age where everything in the world is attaching to us. You've got this and you've got that and your kids have this and here's a goal and here's a goal and here's a goal. I want to tell you in the refiner's fire all things that are not going to matter that aren't going to last, they are stripped away. And it is in the refiner's fire that people saved by the grace of Jesus Christ begin to look like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Back to verse 12. It says... Do not be surprised, and then it says, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Now, I think this is kind of a word of reassurance from Peter, and he says this. Do not be surprised if something's gone awry. Do not be surprised if if some strange thing were happening. Here's what he's saying. This is normal. This is expected. For a true, committed slave of Jesus Christ... This is not a strange thing. This is the normal thing. He says, do not be surprised as if this were some crazy thing. This is to be expected for a slave of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, crazy verse. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, that's when he comes, you may rejoice with exultation. Here's what it says, crazy verse. But to the degree, now listen to this, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Jesus Christ, keep on rejoicing. Now what that that means is, and this is why it's completely absurd, what that means is the more suffering that you have to the degree that you're suffering, the the more suffering that you have, the more rejoicing that you're to have. The more that you're to rejoice, the more that you suffer, the greater amount of your rejoicing your rejoicing should be. Now, let me just tell you, that's absolutely insane. No other place will be saying, "You know what? The more pain you endure, you ought to rejoice more." I was in a car wreck Friday night. You know what? The more, the harder they hit you, you ought to get out and say, "Whoa, that was a hard hit." For Christians, the greater amount of your suffering is to produce a greater effect of rejoicing. Here is why. So that at the revelation of his glory, when Jesus comes again, you may, you may rejoice with exultation. Here's what that means. Listen very carefully here. As a slave, that's what we're called as, as New Testament Christians. We don't, we're, we're not maybe liking that word, but that's what it says. As a servant of Jesus Christ, there is a payday that is coming. Now listen very carefully. Your eternal reward on the payday, your eternal reward is proportionate, this is what the Bible says, to your earthly suffering. Be sure and hear that. Your eternal reward is proportionate to your eternal Suffering. That's what God says. That's what his determination. Now listen to some verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says this for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Second Corinthians 4 17. He says this for momentary light affliction. Now Paul's crazy. He's, he's, he's going to get his head cut off. He's been shipwrecked. He's been imprisoned. He's been beaten. He says that's momentary lie, affliction. He's absolutely crazy, but he says, you know what? That is producing for us, listen, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And I could go on. There was verses in Hebrews chapter 11. There's verses in, in 2 John. There's verses in Revelations chapter 2. But my favorite verses that I could find talking about this Are in Luke chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. Listen, this is what Jesus says. Jesus is speaking. Blessed are you when men hate you, listen, and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. He says this, be glad in that day. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Jesus says there is a payday coming for the suffering slave. The Bible says here, Peter says, the more that we suffer, the more we rejoice, because our eternal reward is proportionate to our earthly suffering. Pretty awesome. Verse 14. Here's the key. Verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now, I want, that word there, reviled, means this. If you are reviled, if you're reviled, and what that means is this, hated. I, I don't know that we can get the, 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 the depth of the, the gut to that word, and we pull it out of the Greek. You're hated. Another word says you're denounced. You know what, you think you're something, you're not something, you're denounced. Another word says you're put down, you're put down, and here's, here's the one that actually literally translates out of that. To heap and to pile insults on. How much can you be insulted? Because when you think you're there, we're gonna heap some more on, and we're gonna heap some more on, and we're gonna pile some more on. When you're reviled, and then it says this, for the name of of Jesus Christ. For the name of Christ. Stay with me. The reason that you're reviled, and there's only one reason that you're reviled. The reason that you're reviled is for the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who offends the ungodly, not you. You see, Jesus is the one who stirs up hatred in the hearts of lost people. Jesus is the one that the world is hostile to. You know what? He came, they killed him. The world is hostile to him. Jesus is the one that Satan and the demons can't stand. And so listen to me, if you are reviled, if you are hated, if you're insulted, and insult on top of insult is heaped upon you, Jesus says, be glad and rejoice because evidently in you, they hear, they see enough Jesus that they hate you instead. That's what the Bible says. You know what, they they can't stand him, but it's not you they hate, it's him. And so if you're hated and you're reviled and you're insulted, evidently they see enough of him and they hear enough of the gospel out of you that they hate you in his place. Let me tell you something, I I don't like it, but that's our goal as Christians. That's our mission as Christians. In our lives, that's what it means to be a little, a little Christ, a little Christian. In our lives, folks ought to hear enough of Jesus and they ought to see enough of Jesus that they ought to hate us. Let me tell you something. If you're sitting here today and they hate you for the name of Jesus, until he tells you, let me tell you, good job. That's our goal as followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, there's a distinction made. Verse 15, we gotta hit this verse as well. Make sure that none of you suffers. As a murderer or thief or evildoer or, I like this one, I know some, a troublesome meddler. Make sure that, sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, a thief, a evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. Here's what I want to tell you about that. Make sure you know not all suffering is suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes people act like it, but be sure you understand, not all suffering today, not all suffering in the world, in fact, most of it's not. Most suffering is not suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, we suffer sometimes because of our sins. We suffer a whole lot of times because of bad consequences, the consequences for bad decisions that we've made. Sometimes we're suffering, and I'm going to tell you, most of the time, we're suffering because of things we've brought down on ourselves. That's what this verse is saying. You know what, make a distinction here. Not everybody that you see is suffering is suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. A bunch of us are suffering because of our sins, because of our dumb, bad decisions, and we've brought consequences down upon ourselves. That's what it says there. You commit a crime, you suffer in jail. There's a guy, I won't say his name. These are recorded and somebody might listen on the, on the internet. There was a guy who lives five hours from here and he's, he's younger than I am, but this, this guy, nice guy, pretty good family, he got in with the banditos, true story. He's not one of them, but he began to, to be part of their drug smuggling operation, and he's, he's in with them, and they're, they're hauling meth all around, and they got a, a pretty big a meth ring going, a pretty big deal, and they're caught, and about 20-something guys are caught at one time, they haul them all in, and he got a lengthy jail term. I believe it was over 10 years he gets. I was talking to one of his family members and they said, you know what? He's just like Paul in prison. (laughs) True story. No, he's not like Paul in prison. Not all suffering is suffering that comes from following Jesus Christ. Talking to another guy and he lost his job and, and he was saying, man, I'm being tested. I'm being tested without a job and And I can't support my family, and I'm being tested here without my job. Come to find out the guy had been late to work a 100 times, had missed work a whole bunch of times. When he was at work, he wasn't worth 10 cents. He wasn't being tested. He didn't need a job. He didn't deserve a job. He was suffering the consequence for his bad decision for his sins. Not all suffering is suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Peter makes the distinction. We ought to make the distinction as well. Then it comes to verse 16, and it says this. Listen But if anyone suffers as a Christian, now hey, some of y'all are suffering because of your bad decisions. You know what? God will forgive those and he'll restore those and in his power, he'll put you back on the right path, but you're not always suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. But verse 16, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, now what that means is a person that's marked for the cause and marked for the master. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ is. It's nothing less than that. By faith in Jesus Christ, you've been saved. And as a Christian, you've been marked for the master and you've been marked for the master's cause. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is to not be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Men, what that means is this. You are to praise God you are to glorify God in this name. The name is Jesus. This is where it's going to wrap up. You are to praise God. You are to glorify God in the name is Jesus. Now, what that means is we're supposed to say when we're suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ, God, you know what? I'm thankful for Jesus, and I'm thankful who. For Jesus, my Savior, who suffered and who died a brutal death on the cross of Calvary, who bore my sins. In fact, the Bible says he became my sins and he suffered as I'll never have to suffer so that I might be saved. And God, you know what? I will give you these days and I will endure these hardships and I'll walk down this road until you come again and I will do that so that a lost world will hear the name, the only name that's worth hearing, the only name that's ever going to save anybody, the name of Jesus Christ and however bad it gets I'm going to say praise my Savior Jesus and so look at both sides we stand and we suffer for the glory of Jesus Christ let's pray I'm going to ask if you'll stand please Dear Father, we come. And I'm not even going to talk about us, Lord. I'm going to talk about you who came as a man who humbled himself, who left the glory of heaven, needing not one thing, already reigning as the king, who humbled himself and came as a man, a, a, a man that he had created all of mankind. And it doesn't even, Lord, you didn't even come as an esteemed man. You came as a man that we couldn't find a place for you. And you're born in filth. And you're rejected. You come into your own and they receive you not. And more than that, they heap insult upon insult upon you. They mock your name and they, they take a crown of thorns and they mash it in your head. Oh, he's a king. They nail you to a cross. The vilest death reserved for the vilest criminal. And there, my Savior, the King of glory, dies a disgusting death. You suffer that we might be saved. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we exalt you. Jesus, in a world that's going to tear your name down, we lift your name up. I pray for help. I pray for encouragement. I pray for empowerment but not for me, for your great glory. We love you, we praise you, I thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.